Hello, everyone. Yes, it has been a while, but we are back at the Belmont Media Center, and we welcome you to the Time Out for Sports Talk Toddcast, a newly reimagined synergy of the long-running BMC TV show and uh, the uh, years of a podcast that we've recorded. Uh, this new version of the TOST Toddcast is available as both an audio podcast on both belmontmedia.org and soundcloud.com, as well as a video simulcast that you can watch on the BMC channels and also on demand at belmontmedia.org. I am Todd Bloniars, and for those of you watching on the simulcast, we welcome you to our new podcast studio here in Studio A, a creation of the entire BMC staff. And in particular, uh, Executive Director Jeff Hansel, who's uh, actually manning a camera on our simulcast tonight. Also, a uh, big thanks in the, uh, the studio uh, to our director tonight, uh, Matt Simonelli, and our audio maven, Jeremy Meserve, uh, making sure all of our sound levels are right. And, of course, joining me here at the mic uh, in a new co-pilot's chair is the one and only Howie McClellan. Hey, whether it's a 747 or a Ricky Earl plane, I'll be right there with you, Todd, <laughs> guiding it in. <laughs> How the heck have you been? It's been 18 months since yeah. we've done this. Yeah, uh, good, it's good. been a while. Yeah, I know. It's been kind of strange. Not having the show, not having, you know, get-togethers for the games and things like that. But uh, it's been good. It's getting better. You know, that's the best way to look at it. It's getting better. Exactly. Well, this is a, a new era of timeout for sports talk, and it is certainly a new era for the New England Patriots as they get ready to kick off the uh, 2021 regular season on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. Here to discuss football with us, we are happy to bring back Chris Mason, a.k.a. Howie's nephew, <laughs> who covers the Patriots for MassLive.com. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining us again here on the TOST Toddcast, and I believe the last time you were on with us, you were still working on the Red Sox beat, and you were with another pub publication so I guess first off a very belated congratulations on what is now a not so new gig for you <laughs> thanks Todd I appreciate that it's certainly been a eventful 18 months there or so or whatever we're at now <laughs> yeah I was going to ask uh Chris uh, just uh, the differences uh, you, this is your second full uh Patriots training camp that you've covered and just talk about the differences I think between last year and this year just certainly a lot more access you're able to go down to the stadium and uh watch the team up close now so you just talk about uh, how much different it's been with uh, some of the COVID restrictions loosened up for you yeah, I mean, I think the biggest difference this year was getting to watch the joint practices with the Eagles and the Giants because that's where the competition really ramps up. And there was none of that last year because there were no preseason games at all. So I, I think just watching the joint practices, you were able to learn a lot more and you could see Mac Jones coming on strong. Did you did you guys lo lose access? You still can't go in the, in the dressing room, right? And there's something about only the network that covers them or something. You can have people in there, I was hearing. As far as interviewing uh, in the locker room, does that affect you at all? Uh, I couldn't really hear your question. Was it about lack of access? Yeah, they're saying that they that you still can't go into the locker room and and, and talk directly with the players. And the only ones allowed in are the ones that are part of the television uh, telecast or whatever that has access. And that uh, does that oh, affect? Oh yeah, that's that's a that's a huge bummer for us. It's just really hard to get one-on-one -on -one interviews with players right now. Like they're, they just didn't happen last year. They're not really happening much now because you usually get those in the locker room. Now there's a group of it's 25 of us a day. Like today we had in-person interviews. So we're allowed to go in there all masked up. We have to get weekly COVID tests, but it's still just a player at a podium where, you know, it's taking like, I don't know, eight to 10 questions. And then the next guy's up. So it, it's definitely different, and it's. I, I hope they let us back in the locker room soon. Yeah, I was going to say, because I'm sure a lot of the good stuff that you get is when you're in the locker room talking to someone one-on-one, -on -one, 
you know, not up on a podium in front of everybody. You're not, you're not going to get, you know, someone that you, you, you work well with and knows you're not going to, you know, make a big deal out of something. You know, just that access is gone. That trust is gone. Yeah, and if you have a good story to write, you're asking in front of 24 other people, so everyone's going to end up writing that story. It's hard to get your own stuff. So, yeah, I, let's needless to say, I, I hope they open them back up soon. Well, you know, Chris, much like you're joining us tonight, uh, I guess uh, it sounds like a lot of what you're doing interacting with the players, you're doing via Zoom. And again, we're, we're grateful that you're able to uh, to Zoom in on, on us this evening here on the uh, on this podcast. Uh let me ask you a little bit about uh, Mac Jones then. You, you mentioned uh, how he started to pop a little bit in those uh, joint practices. And uh, so, like, what, what was your overall uh, observation uh, that you would take uh, from watching Jones uh, throughout the uh, training camp and into the preseason? And do you think the decision was made at the right time to, to make him the, the starter and to let go of Cam Newton before the start of the season? Um. First of all, I do think it was the right decision where, I mean, just watching Mac this summer, the growth was so obvious and he's going to continue to grow, but he was already processing the game faster than Cam Newton was, you know, Cam Newton's been in the league for 11 years and was still like a second too slow with reads. And then the kid comes in and he's like, it's far from perfect. Don't get me wrong, but like the ball's getting out quicker. It, it looks like the way Josh McDaniel's offense is supposed to look. So I mean, now having said all that, I was still surprised when the move happened, right? Like, how could he not be when Mac, you know, wasn't like last preseason game, didn't get a single series with the starting offense. But clearly he showed them enough in that game. And then I do think one of the days of joint practices against the Giants when Cam was out with the um, COVID misunderstanding, I think that really opened the door and he just ran with it. You know, he was, uh, the precision was just off the charts that day and, you know, Cam left the door ajar, and the kid walked through it. Yeah, it, uh, even in, during the preseason games, the things I noticed, like even if they didn't score, I mean, to see him go down, you know, 16, 17 play drives, it's like, wait a minute, this kid's a rookie. You know, a lot of it, yeah, veterans can't do that. Yeah. Well, a major difference, too, is that, like, last year it felt like if there was any sort of negative play, even if the Patriots are starting with a first and fifteen. It just felt like Cam wasn't going to pick that up with the offense. And, of course, the offense, like, they made a bunch of other additions this year. But, you know, Mac gets thrown into, like, third and 20s, and there's there's a shot that they're picking that up still. And I that was eye-opening to me. Yeah, there was one, there was one play, I forget what it was, but he, they were backed up to the end zone. <laughs> and he brought them out, and, you know, first play, like a 20, 30-yard pass, gets right out of that problem. You know, it's yep. just, uh, like I said, it's just – it's amazing how quickly he's picked everything up. You know, that's, he's just one of those type of quarterbacks. I mean, there's guys that get by a natural ability, and there's guys that, you know, like a Larry Bird, he wasn't the greatest athlete, but he could outthink you. Right. And I think Mac Jones is going to be like that. He's going to know, you know, three plays ahead what's going on before you even get off the ball, you know. Yeah, and they've absolutely put a lot on his plate this summer too, and, you know, he has not been overwhelmed by it where, like, we barely saw Cam Newton run a two minute drill in camp. It was Mac Jones. That's running the no huddle and doing like, it, it's, it's like they were uh, stress testing him. Like, can the kid handle this? Can the kid handle this? And, you know, meanwhile, he's got the regular playbook down and Hightower tells us that he's learning the defensive playbook too, because he wants to work on like zone concepts and stuff like that. And it's like, all right, it's a 
Pretty, yeah. pretty bright kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and another sign that maybe he was ready to take the reins and uh, it was it was all over for Cam Newton. Uh, I think what Rob Ninkovich, I guess, in the past few days on his podcast uh, mentioned something about how Mac was teaching the playbook to Cam Newton. And Cam's been there for a year. And met, here's a rookie who's coming in and saying, OK, this is how you run this play. I mean, yeah. supposedly. I mean, you know, again, you, you can take Ninkovich, former Patriots uh, linebacker, you take him at whatever value you want. But, uh, you know, I was going to follow up here, Chris, asking about, well, the other interesting thing here is that there is uh, no technically there's no backup unless you count the guys on the practice squad at the quarterback position. So, OK, maybe the decision was made at the right time to let Mac Jones be the starting quarterback. But you also you let Cam Newton go. There really is no clearly defined backup. Do you think that you mentioned it earlier, Chris, about the covid uh, restricting uh, Cam from some practices? Do you think that's what ultimately cost him, uh, you know, at least sticking around as the backup? Or how do you think that whole conversation with Belichick might have gone down? So the reliability is definitely a factor, right? Like you can't be losing your backup for five days because of a protocol misunderstanding. Like that's, that's just not something that like you can have. And I, I'm very curious to know how that conversation went. Cause we still don't know if, you know, maybe Bill told him he was going to be the backup and he said, no, like I'm not doing that. You know, we, we don't know, which is, that's why he teased an Instagram video today that he had a lot to get off his chest and it was coming Friday. So maybe he'll shed some light on that there, but um, yeah, I mean, there's still there's still a lot to uncover there. Yeah, I, I, there's a part of me that thinks that he, you know, really thought that he was going to be the starting quarterback, and that he, it was almost like he was led along till the end and then just let go. I couldn't see him wanting to be a backup, so I didn't think that would work anyway. But I, I think he was caught off guard by this as much as I think we all were caught yeah. off guard. Well, he started every preseason yeah. game, as we mentioned. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, and he definitely still thinks he's a starter, too, where, like, on EI last year, like, in December, he said, I know there aren't 32 quarterbacks in this league that are better than me. So I don't know where he's going to start right now. He's probably just in a holding pattern now where he's going to wait and wait and wait until someone gets hurt somewhere, right? Because it's football. Injuries happen. Exactly. And then probably swoops in that way. And that's interesting, too, because he's been out there on the waiver wire for a week, and nobody has made a, a play for him. You would think some teams that – you know, whether it, it be like, you know, Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, maybe he could be a backup there. I mean, they run similar types Texans, of offenses. maybe? Maybe, yeah. Well, <laughs> who don't know, know who their quarterback well, really right. going to they, be? They've got a hot mess situation there <laughs> yeah. at quarterback. But, yeah, but just some team that maybe runs an offense that might be more to Cam's liking or something he's more comfortable with. Yeah. I think that was the other yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, I thought that – Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I thought the Texans would have made a lot of sense for him in terms of, like, I don't think Watson's playing this week, and they have – to Rod Taylor, like, again, it's a similar, like, style quarterback where, you know, the running game's going to be involved and, like, maybe he makes sense to fit there, but it, I just don't think the job offers are coming right now. Yeah, no, I, I, I think he's, he doesn't realize that his career's at the end and that a backup may be the best job he can get right now. Um, but I just think he, he'd be too much of I think a lot of teams are staying away because he's just like, I want to say he's a distraction, but... You know, he's going to cause uh, commotion wherever he goes, you know, and I just a lot of teams probably just don't want to deal with that, you know. Yeah, he's definitely a big personality, and that's, you know, something you take into effect if he's in a backup role, right? Like, how does that work in the locker room? Yeah. And, you know, that could have even been the issue here where that's why Bill let him go, but, like, we just don't know that yet. As far as the, like, backup quarterback situation, though, I mean, 
I think they're just going to mess with the like practice squad elevations for the first two weeks where they can elevate Hoyer. And then, I mean, they only have two active quarterbacks on game days anyway. So, I mean, I think that's the short-term answer. Long-term, who knows? I mean, eventually they'll have to give Hoyer a roster spot if they want him to be the backup backup. But yeah, I mean, real, really quick here, Chris, can you educate us uh, as to how the, the new practice squad rules work? First of all, I mean, I noticed there's a lot more players on the practice squad, but as far as how they can move on and off the, uh, the active uh, 45-man roster. Yeah, so basically they kept the same rules as last year, uh, COVID ones. So players can be elevated twice before, like to the active roster, before you have to give them an active roster spot. And that's actually what Bill did last year. If you remember, he didn't have a kicker on the opening 53. And then the first two weeks just elevated Nick Fult from the practice squad up for the game. So I think he's doing something similar here. It's just kind of a clever way to save a roster spot or save someone from going on waivers. Yeah, but what do you save it for, two weeks? I mean, they say after two weeks, he's going to have to give him a spot, right? Hoy, if he brings him up. Yeah, but, I mean, you just assume that somebody's probably going to get hurt the next two weeks, land on IR. And IR is totally different now because you can bring guys back from injured reserve. You know, it's not the the season ender anymore. So – I think he's just providing his time now, for a couple that, weeks. Is that rule still the same where you can only uh, bring back two people off that list or something? I mean, was it like you can only do two uh, tops out of that list? Oh, there's 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 no limit on bringing them back anymore. Oh, the I only am? thing is, yeah. yeah, you have to be out for games. People back, which okay. makes a lot of sense. Like the, the old rule is dumb. Yeah. Yeah, oh, the one where they you had to be out like the whole yep, season. The year, or, yeah, yeah, right. Now, at least, yeah, at least there's the option to bring them back now. Um, you know, back to um, you, you brought up McDaniels a little earlier, uh, Chris. Wanted to ask, how much uh, do you think McDaniels played into the decision, uh, or how much was he maybe in, in Bill Belichick's ear that he was kind of suggesting that it, it was, you know, time to let. Mac, uh, you know, run this offense. Uh, he should be the top guy um, because you know the feeling has been that Cam Newton has, from day one, sort of been Bill Belichick's guy. And you know, I think for someone like Josh McDaniels who wants to run the offense that he ran back with uh, Tom Brady, that Mac Jones is going to be the guy that gets you closer to what Josh wants to do. So, how much influence do you think he may have had uh, with Belichick in this decision? Oh, I think Josh certainly had a seat at the table, and while Bill's hands on everywhere, like. They still don't have a defensive coordinator because, you know, Bill has a lot of input on the defense. And I think like offensively, that's something where like Josh's voice is definitely, definitely loud in there. And, you know, I I don't ultimately it's Bill's decision, but I'm sure that Josh was uh, a, a major factor in it. Yeah, that kid Jones, he looked a lot bigger. I didn't I didn't think he was as big as he was until I seen him walking next to some other people. He's a pretty sturdy kid. Yeah, he's listed at 6'3". Yeah. Might be a 6'2", but either way, he's, he's not a little guy. Yeah. I know I know a lot of uh, uh, people are uh, concerned, you know, watching shows on TV, and, you know, a lot of the uh, people are wondering about that knee brace. Does that bother you on, on, on him? Do you think it is just a matter of it's his unprotected knee that leads and they want it to st- stabilize a little? you think there's something else going on? I think it might be a little of both. I mean, if you just saw the way he got up off the turf a couple times in that Giants game, he didn't look like, you know, 100%, 100%. But, I mean, I did notice he was trying different braces out, right? It's not mm-hmm. like he just showed up one day with one and was like, this is my brace now. Yeah. He, there must have been at least four different ones that he was rotating through. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's something going on there, but I don't think it's major at this point. Yeah, let's hope. Not. Yeah, I know, especially with the backup quarterback situation. Yeah, pop out a balloon before we even start. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Chris, then, you know, it feels like, you know, with uh, Mac Jones uh, trying out all these different knee braces, one of the uh, important positions on this team is going to be the offensive line and how much they can protect Mac. And uh, certainly you've got, you know, you got four-fifths of, of the guys coming back from uh, from last year. They did lose Joe Tooney, but they, they bring back Trent Brown. So that yeah. uh, seems like a good trade-off. What do you think as a, a former high school offensive lineman yourself, uh, Chris? What do you think of the of, the, of that O-line going? into the season i think that might be the strongest area on the team you know if you just look across it those are all like pro bowl caliber players and like if they're on the same page i mean it's definitely going to be a heavy running offense with the rookie quarterback and i think that makes a ton of sense given the offensive line and they have a ton of depth at running back too so i, I think they're in a very good place yeah did i just read today stevenson broke his thumb in practice yeah there was a report that he dislocated it last dislocated, week but he was, yeah yeah, he, he had a wrap on it, but he was still a full participant today. So I don't think that's one to worry about just yet. Wrap it so I can wrap mm. my hand around the football and let's go. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, I think, what is it, was, it, was it Fred Bolitnikoff, the receiver? He, they had to fuse his finger because it had been broken. They couldn't fix it. And he had him fuse it so that it was in the same shape of when he caught a ball. And to this day, he has one finger that sticks out because – he had it made that way so he could play football. Is it the middle one, or is that, uh, what, you, that, that that's what you were kind of that I don't know, there, but, but is, okay. I know maybe I just, yeah, the problem with his thumb, just fuse it in the right spot so he can hold on to the ball. Well, how about Ronnie Lott, you know, so he could keep playing? He had, like, the tip of one of his fingers uh, cut, off cut off so yeah. he could keep playing. Uh, you didn't want to miss time out on the field, <laughs> you know, a you know, guy in the Hall of Fame. And, uh, well, like Bolitnikoff, they both had uh, Hall of Fame careers. Yeah, different era, that's for sure. Yeah, much different. Um, again, we're talking with uh, Chris Mason of MassLive.com. He covers the Patriots for them. And you can follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at by Chris Mason. That's B-Y Chris Mason uh, on uh, Twitter. So uh, make sure to follow. He's got over 6,000 followers, so I'm sure he'd love a few more. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let me, uh, you were talking, as we stick with the offense here, uh, concerns at all with the receiving core Jacoby Myers looks like the best of a uh, a questionable bunch uh, I suppose we can throw the tight ends in there which maybe makes it a little less questionable but uh, you know Myers is like the one guy coming back and everybody else is all new who do you see uh, maybe aside from Myers who uh, is going to break out and, and become uh, a favorite target for Mac Jones in the early going I mean I think you nailed it with Jacoby Myers um you know, he's the most consistent, most dependable. Like, it's funny that everyone always wants to talk about, like, replacing Julian Edelman. Oh, is it going to be Gunner? Is it going to be? And it's like, it's been Jacoby Myers. Like, he's been in the slot, and he's not the, he's not like, it's not a little guy, you know? He's not the fastest guy either, but the kid just gets open, makes plays. But as far as, like, the offense goes, I think you're going to see James White catch more balls this year. Like, last year was... Obviously, he had a ton of off-the-field stuff, too, that he was dealing with a really, really tough year. But in the offense, you know, with Cam, it, like, running it the way it was, he didn't see many targets. I think that's going to change this year, and he's going to, you know, get the ball a lot. Yeah, I think they're going to see a lot of tight end uh, work like we used to years past, too. You know, just they're, they're more like safety valves a lot of times. You know, Yeah, Johnny Smith really impressed me in the preseason. Um just like when he gets the ball in his hands a couple of years ago, Bill said that he was like the best tight end in the game after the catch before uh, when he was with Tennessee before the playoff game. And just then a couple of flashes this, like this summer, you see why, you know, like he is hard to bring down. I do think Hunter Henry's health is a bit of a concern, you know, like he wasn't on the field a ton this summer. 
the shoulder. Like he's out of the non-contact jersey, but injuries have kind of been one of the storylines in his career. And like he needs to stay out there. Yeah, especially they went out and signed him, made a big deal out of it. They're really counting on him this year. So, you know, hopefully he doesn't turn into a, you know, take the money and be on the injured reserve list all year. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea about signing two tight ends was not saying, oh, we're going to sign two so that one's going to get hurt or we'll at least have one left. I think the idea was to have both tight ends and have them be a a vital part of the offense. Let's flip over to the other side of the ball here, Chris. Uh, Talk about the defense. Now, if we're going to go glass half empty, we'd say, well, uh, you know, uh, Stephon Gilmore, he's going to be out till uh, week seven, and uh, they're going to miss him in the secondary, and there are some question marks there. But if we're going to go glass half full, boy, what about this linebacker core? You got the return of Dante Hightower after uh you know opting out last year and uh boy Matt Judon, Matt Judon yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh. He, this is this is the Adelis Thomas that I think everyone was hoping uh that you know this is the Ravens defensive player you know when they signed Thomas back in uh, 2007 they they were hoping to maybe get this kind of production but Judon looks great your, your thoughts on the defense Chris yeah and the thing with Judon is like you obviously saw it in the preseason games but he was that guy in practice too, like watching training camp where he just could wreck series and did it consistently. So, I mean, he looks like a really strong addition again, like things change when the real games start, but like, I don't think he could have had a much better summer than he did. I do think the secondary is cause for concern. I don't think it's getting enough attention just because like without Stefan Gilmore, you're kind of weaker across the board where now you're asking JC Jackson to be a number one corner instead of just being that ball hawk number two, you know, can play a little more instinctive because Steph is locking down their best player. And so it looks like Jalen Mills is going to start on the other side. Where, Although you mentioned today he was on the, uh, the, the first injury report of the season. Yep, he was. And so then you might see Joe on Williams there, which, I mean, the secondary has been such a strength for this team over the last couple of years, but taking Gilmore out of the equation really complicates things and you know i think they might drop a game early before gilmore gets back that you know you wouldn't think they had any business losing just because like the cornerback position seems like it could be an issue and then john jones has been banged up this summer wasn't on the injury report but like if he goes down then you kick mills inside to the slot do you have joan williams on the outside there's a lot of question marks there yeah do you, do you think it's got anything to do with this contract why he seems to be taking so much time to get him to come back or do you think that it's just it's just taking that time and that's it? Because, I mean, let's say, really, we haven't heard any complaints about anything. We knew about it going into the season, but or at least going into training camp. But you know, it just seems like it's been, you know, just on the back burner. It just doesn't, doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's hard not to wonder about the contracts just because at the beginning of July, he told Justina Anderson that he could be ready for training camp if he needed to be, yeah. right? Training camp starts the end of July, so we're more than a month removed from him saying that he could be ready if he needed to be, you know, I think that's going to raise your eyebrow. Yeah. But on the flip side, like a torn quad is a torn quad. You know, it's not like, uh, it's not like he just rolled an ankle or something. Right. Well, and then of course, you know, the fact that the Patriots went out and spent all this money in free agency in the off season, I mean, they're kind of loading up here and the whole idea was to have everyone back defensively, including Gilmore, who's your best cornerback. Exactly. You know, I think Adrian Phillips is the one guy in that. Well, He's one of the guys in the secondary I can have a heel early on and, like, is going to be a big help. But, um, I mean, at some point, too, like, Deb McCourty's been really good for a really long time. But, you know what they say, father time's undefeated. So, at what <laughs> point does he take a step back? There, there's just a lot of question marks with the secondary. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I think there's a guy in Tampa that wants to argue yeah, that point. I was about point. to say, I don't, Father Time is <laughs> I, not, a, just like the 2007 Patriots, Father Time is not completely undefeated. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there are maybe, uh, yeah, right, a certain uh, quarterback down there in Tampa uh, who I wish was still here in Foxborough, but that's another story. I forget all about him after this year. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, Chris, uh, you know, talking again, just sticking with the defense here. So with the secondary, with all these question marks, I mean, I guess uh, on the bright side, though, we've got that front seven, which uh, I think maybe there's going to be more pressure on these guys to put more pressure on opposing quarterbacks to maybe kind of take some of the pressure off the secondary. Yeah, no, you're right on there. And I mean, the pass rush looks like it could be really good with Judon and Josh Uche had a huge summer too. And like, you know, everyone always talks about making that year two jump and he looks like the guy, well, Duggar also looks like he could do that. But um, I mean, he, there was some, he's another one that just like wrecked some series this summer. He didn't do it as consistently as Judon, but like there are flashes and like real reason to be excited about uh, Josh Uche. I mean, his speed just gives some tackles fits. Yeah, it's, it's funny. What, what's uh, what's up with uh, Winovich? I mean, they they were bringing him along as he's going to be one of their top linebackers, and I mean, then they were talking this year that he might not even make the team at one point. I mean, is yeah, he just I mean, being outplayed by everyone, or is he just limited in what he can do? Yeah, part of it's being outplayed and bringing in Judon and bringing Van Doy back, like knocks him further down the depth chart. But he just has issues as a three-down player right now. You know, like build. Didn't seem to trust him against the run sometimes last year. So he had like super wacky snap counts in different games. Like, but I think you'll probably see him just in like a reserve third down pass rush role this year because he still can like get after the quarterback. But it's yeah. the other part of the game that, you know, you have to earn Bill's trust. And I don't know that he hasn't. Right. Yeah, that's the thing with the Patriots too, with Bill and it, that whole team. There's always a lot of interchangeable pieces. You know, you guys going to be able to do a lot of different things. And uh, if you're limited by one thing, then that's uh, usually a recipe for leaving. Yeah, well, maybe if Winovich can be used just in a specific role, you might get the best out of him, too. Yeah. So that's certainly possible. All right, Chris, uh, as we kind of wrap, start to wrap this uh, segment up, want to uh, ask you uh, what player out of all the players you saw during training camp in the preseason, somebody maybe either under the radar player or players uh, that, you th that impressed you enough and, and that you'd like advise us to keep an eye on this season? Uh, JJ Taylor, he's someone that, you know, he looks a lot like Deion Lewis with the ball in his hands. And it just seems like something happens, something positive happens, like every time he touches the ball. So I know he's going to fly under the radar just in terms of like, you know, you have Damian Harris in the clear, like number one role, you have James White in the third down role, but I think he could slide right into a Rex Burkhead type role and like make an impact on the offense. A question, were you, is, were you surprised about Folk being cut? Yeah, it was yeah. interesting that he's back on the practice squad, though. Yeah. So I don't know if that's just like a break glass in case emergency thing or if he's maybe he was injured and is still in the plans. But the thing with Nordine is like he was he has a huge leg. Yeah. And I mean, he was streaky it's where like he yeah. on runs where he hit everything. But then, you know, I mean, you saw the Philly game where he missed three kicks. And Bill always says that, you know, consistency is the most important thing in that position. So that was a head scratcher. Yeah, I mean, he's got a yeah, cannon right. for a leg. Right, but, you know, isn't that kind of like what his career was in Michigan, too? I mean, it, it, he had the leg there, but he was just inconsistent. He, he'd sometimes miss ones you didn't expect. Yeah, and, I mean, he missed an extra point in the first preseason game, too, where it's like, oh, like, he was getting the field goals. But, so, yeah. that's one of those things I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But, um, 
I mean, obviously the potential's there, but he just needs to be consistent. Yeah, I, li- I like that uh, break glass in case of emergency. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, well, it's the truth. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of glad they brought Folk back because I honestly was – that one surprised uh, me even yeah. probably more than, than Cam Newton getting yeah. cut, and they cut them both the same day. But, uh, yeah, Folk, uh, you know, definitely it's good to have him uh, in reserve. Okay, uh, we're going to have to pin you down on a prediction here for the upcoming season, Chris. Uh, regular, what's the regular season record going to be for the 2021 Pats, and will they make the playoffs? And, of course, I know you remember that there's now an extra game added to the regular season, so uh, keep that in mind when you come up with your record. <laughs> uh, I've got them at 10-7 and seven and winning one of the wild card spots. I, I think they will be a playoff team and that there will be a wild card team, but I think there's going to be some growing pains with a rookie quarterback. You know, that's inevitable. Um and I, I think the Bills are still just going to run the division. You know, they're they're deep everywhere. You mean that that uh, wily veteran uh, Josh Allen, all of twenty five years old, but he's the oldest quarterback in the division. <laughs> uh, you, so you think uh, Chris Ten and Seven is going to make the is going to be good enough to qualify for the playoffs? Yeah, I think they'll get a wild card spot at ten and seven. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go one more. I'm going to go eleven and six, and yeah, I think the playoffs are definite definite for them. I was I leaning, yeah, I was leaning ten and seven myself, but I'm I'm on the fence. I, I guess it's going to depend on how deep the AFC is this year. Yeah. Um, Todd will let us know his prediction at game, week fourteen. Right, you know, <laughs> I'll pop in then. With a, <laughs> but well, if I if I had to say right now, I'm going to say maybe they're just going to miss out ten and see to me ten and seven. I'm not sure that is going to be enough. Seven losses. I I know. Granted, they got the extra game now, but. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of thinking ten and seven's almost is the new nine and seven, and nine and seven wouldn't be enough most years to make the playoffs. So that's why I think. I uh, see. I'm assuming everybody in the league's going to win their extra game, but of course it just dawned on me only only half the teams in the league can win that extra game. <laughs> the other half's going to lose them. But uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully the Patriots can. Uh, you know, uh, we'll at least uh, have something that will take uh, last season uh, out of our memories, and again, we'll uh, begin the uh, the Mac Jones era in earnest. Uh, Chris, want to thank you very much uh, for joining us here on the uh, the TOST podcast. Good to have you back, and we look forward to uh, having you either uh, zoom in again, or uh, maybe we'll have you in person uh, one of these days. Sounds good, yes. Always fun. All right. Hey, Chris, right. great talking to you as always. All you right. too. I'll catch you guys soon. Okay, right. thanks, Bye-bye. Chris. Again, Chris Mason from uh, MassLive.com. He's uh, one of uh, uh, many. Uh, they have uh, quite a few beat writers on the Patriots. I was uh, over on MassLive.com, and uh, uh, there's uh, there's multiples there. Chris is, like, fighting with his own <laughs> co-writers. Yeah. For, I, I don't know what. They probably each have specific functions. But but Chris is certainly uh, doing a lot of, like, the news flash reports and stuff. And, it, yeah. again, you can uh, read them on MassLive.com. You can follow them on Twitter at by Chris Mason. That's B-Y Chris Mason. So uh, thanks. Uh, thanks. Thank you, Howie, for having him as your nephew. So <laughs> I'll thank, I'll thank my, I'll thank my sister and brother-in-law. Yes, you, you, you definitely uh, should do that. Uh, well, as we continue here uh, with uh, the TOST Toddcast, uh, we'll, we'll kind of stick uh, more on football. Any other, I mean, do you, let's, any of your other thoughts about the uh, upcoming season? Obviously we, we all kind of did our records, but uh, you have any other, just thoughts overall yeah. on, on the whole Mac Jones decision yeah. here. And, yeah, uh, um, you know. I just, I figured it was inevitable. I was kind of surprised so early. I mean, they only because they kept insisting how many, t- you know, Bill, I, I told you, Cam's not starting quarterback, Cam's not quarterback, Cam's not quarterback, you know, starting them all the games. So, you know, I figured eventually he was going to get in there. I just didn't think they're going to throw him in the fire that quickly, especially with game four. 
I mean, I, right. I think that's uh, yes, week four. Yes, yeah, week four when Brady comes back here, and you know, to have him play against a rookie quarterback, that's a lot of pressure for the kid. No it matter is. how much he says, not to isn't. mention that's a Sunday night game. That's a prime time game. Yeah, like the whole the whole country will be watching. Exactly, that but you know, but like I said, the kid doesn't seem that you watch him in, in interviews, and he he just seems to say the right thing. He's very relaxed. He's calm. He's not hyper. Um, he doesn't get worked up. Um, He's pretty consistent in what he says over and over. He's pretty consistent, obviously, the way he plays. I said 16, 17 drive plays. Yeah. You know, in the preseason. I mean, those those are those are veteran type drives. Mm-hmm. You know, those aren't rookie drives, especially in preseason. Right. You know, because there's so many, you know, no, no, say the best players out there necessarily. <laughs> And how much different is, is the way Mac is kind of conducting himself to, uh, you know, a, a certain young quarterback 20 years ago? Yeah. Uh, this season, as a matter of fact, when, uh, you know, Tom Brady stepped in for the injured Drew Bledsoe and uh, led the, uh, the, the franchise to its first Super Bowl championship. Well, like I said, I was saying to someone the other day, I said, if he just he doesn't have to win the games, he's just got to not lose the games. And, you know, by, you know, losing the ball, uh, fumbling, throwing interceptions at wrong times, he's just got to get the team, just, you know, be safe. It'll be a lot of that small stuff, quick stuff, a lot of uh, tight ends, uh, safety valves, until he gets more accustomed to things. But that's all they did with Brady when they won that Super Bowl. You know, I hate to use that game manager type stuff. You're not managing the game. You just, but you don't have to make that play that you think you have to make to win it. Just play steady and let everything fall where it may. But that last drive in Super Bowl 36, Brady was certainly not a game manager there when no. obviously a certain broadcaster, John Madden, suggested they just take a knee and yeah. go to overtime. Yeah, exactly. uh, and, you know, instead of managing the game, which would have been taking yeah, the knee. He managed to win it. Right, exactly. <laughs> Led the team down on that uh, winning drive with no timeouts and, and very little time left on the yeah. clock. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's that. And, you know, you know, it, it's hard. You know, it's it's hard for me, and I'm going to try very hard not to do this. But even watching the you know the, these preseason games with Mac Jones at the helm, and you, you know, you kind of squint your eyes. You watch the way he goes back and the, the quick decision making. He gets the ball out fast. He's very accurate. It, it, it's hard not to make the comparisons to Brady. I mean, and I, you can kind of understand why Josh McDaniels wanted Mac, or you know, probably yeah. may have pushed for Mac to to run this offense. Certainly, he's doing a much better job job than Cam Newton's would do, and or did last year, yeah. and even was. The doing... thing is, I thought Newton looked pretty good in the preseason this year. I think he was better. I yeah, think was better. I think he was definitely. He was getting the ball out quicker. He was being more consistent. Yeah. I mean, he had uh, the bar pretty low last year. He didn't yeah, have to but go I mean, last off. year, like I said, it looked I know, like yeah. he was shot putting the yeah. the football. He actually looked like. He was throwing it this year, and that's one of the reasons I think I was surprised because I I saw the, all this improvement, and Belichick kept swearing he's the guy. Right. But at the end, no. So it was like, I don't know. I think we all got let on a wild goose chase on that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess maybe the ultimate sign. I probably we probably should have brought this up with Chris, you know, because he was at the joint practice. But there was that those reports coming out of the joint practice uh, when Cam was out with the COVID and Mack had completed like 35 or 40 passes. Remember, Belichick yeah. goes over afterwards and like gave high... Him a, gave a low, wasn't a yeah, low five. Yeah, a low five and a yeah. pat on the back or something, but just something, you know, he had a, and he had one of those smiles that we rarely see from Belichick when he's dealing with the media, for sure. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, yeah. I, we should have taken that as a sign that maybe Belichick was starting to warm up to the idea that Mac could uh, could really yeah. do this and step right in uh, as a rookie. Everyone thought he was crazy when he put Brady in and didn't put Bledsoe back in when he was uh, healthy. So, right. you know, he's, he's not... I mean, granted, Brady was in the year, league one more year right. prior, but he didn't play. Yeah. So basically, he was kind of like a rookie. 
You know, it didn't stop him then, you know, and he had a and he had a Pro Bowl quarterback who had been to a Super Bowl leading his team. Yeah. Right? And uh, you know, he still walked away, let him walk away and said, No, we'll go with the kid. So mm. You know, you did talk a little bit about the uh, the, the, the the week four game against uh, Tampa. Certainly, uh, that's one that we're looking into. Actually, before we get to that really quick, just let's talk about opening week. Uh, Patriots hosting the Dolphins and the battle of the Alabama quarterbacks. We've got Mac on one side, Tua with the other. They were teammates at Alabama, as yeah. a matter of fact. It's not like one followed the other. They were both there at the same yeah. time. Mac Jones backed him up. He was Tua's right. backup. Exactly. Yeah, I yeah. mean, so, you know, that's going to be kind of an interesting dynamic, seeing them kind of go head-to-head against sweet revenge. Other. Oh, sure. I'm right. sure he's thinking about about that you know but then obviously jumping ahead we can't help ourselves we're all looking at you know it'll be Tom Brady's first and in all likelihood his last appearance because uh Tampa wouldn't be back coming back here for eight years I mean that's the way the schedules work yeah. now now again the way Brady's talking I wouldn't put it past him that at age 52 he might still be starting in the NFL uh you know for the Bucks. but I mean <laughs> let's you know I know, it's gonna, but uh, you know that's going to yeah. be an interesting game for a, a quite a few reasons. One will be to see how much Mac has progressed in the three games leading up to that. Uh, also, maybe the reaction that Brady's going to get from the Patriots fans. Remember, these fans booed Adam Vinatieri, which I didn't think was deserved when he came back uh, in a Colts uniform uh, for the first time. And again, I think given that how might much, have been the Colts too. The, yeah, the fact may, that it was the Colts. Maybe you're yeah. right, and you're right. Tampa Bay doesn't. Yeah, uh, I'd be, you know, I'd be surprised as, as much as there's always going to be someone out there. I would be surprised that if he got anything less than a standing ovation for all mm. the time he put in here to help us win six Super Bowls to lead this franchise. I mean, as much sour grapes as everyone has, whether you were happy about it, sad about whatever, I just can't see him not getting a standing O for what he did for this franchise in twenty year, in yeah. 19 years, 18 years. Yeah. I mean, we haven't really had a chance, to, obviously, since we've been away for 18 months, we haven't talked a whole lot about this. I mean, we've done a little uh, personal talking about with regards to Brady. I mean, were you surprised last year, his first year leaving Belichick and the Patriots, and he goes and wins the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers? I mean, I know they had a pretty good team around him, but still for him to, to do that right off yeah, the bat. Yeah, but they added some pieces, too. They added a lot of pieces. If, if they didn't add all the pieces after they added him, I don't know if they would have had the success they had. But they added a few pieces afterwards, which made a lot of, you know, they get to, you know, they get Gronk to come in. They bring Brown in. Uh, I think there was another receiver, wasn't there, that they uh, brought in to uh, play? Well, they have Godwin and Evans, but they, I think they were there the whole season. Yeah. I'm not sure. Who, but you know, just, they brought in Fournette uh, at some at yeah. one point during the season, yeah. too. Yeah, so, I mean, so they, 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 they kind of knew, let, let's stack the deck and see what we can do. I mean, I just figured they're, they're tamper. I didn't expect them to make yeah. that big a jump. Well, and then also, I think it kind of gets forgotten now, but Brady did something he never did with the Patriots. That is, he led the the Buccaneers to three playoff wins on the road, and they actually, and also for Brady, no three games to glory in winning his uh, seventh ring. It, he actually had to win four games, so he won the three playoff games on the road. Then they got to play the Super Bowl in their home stadium, which <laughs> also was was historic. But uh, yeah, so I mean, all those things added together, and and of course, they're now the only defending Super Bowl champion that brings back all twenty two of their starters on offense and defense back the that's following year. That's very interesting. It'd be interesting to see how that's going to work out. Yeah. You know, do, do egos end up getting in the way or do they just all buy into the one for all? Yeah. History says, though, that uh, they're they're unlikely to repeat, although I know, you know. And, and you, they were pretty injury-free last yeah. year, too, and you need that's that. That's huge. Right. Yeah. You're right. So yeah. that's going to be uh, – if you had to pick an early, you know, Super Bowl uh, prediction, I mean, obviously you don't think the Patriots are going to – 
You know, I, I know, I, I think in, uh, you know, the, the Globe, I think some of the writers were going for the uh, the Buccaneers, Patriots, Super Bowl, Brady against Mac yeah. Jones. I don't think yeah. we're going to, yeah. I don't think that's yeah. going to happen. Alice in Wonderland type stuff. Yeah, I yeah, don't think no. that's going to happen. No, actually, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Buffalo from, uh, from yeah. the AFC. And they got a really good team. They, they played well, Al 11 of the year under his belt. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised yeah. to see them. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, they're, I think they're, they might be the more balanced all-around team compared to, say, like Kansas City. We know how great Mahomes is and all the offensive mm. weapons he has, but their defense is a little suspect. And, uh, I mean, I know they, they tried to make some improvements in the offseason, but, you know, Buffalo, I think, comes at you both offensively and defensively, and Allen is, uh, you know, again, will he make the step from year two to year three? I mean, they just gave him the big contract extension, so they're hoping he, he lives up uh, – uh, to that for sure, but there's so many young quarter, especially on our side, there's so many young quarterbacks in the AFC. It's it, it, it's that comparison. You said the you know, oldest one's 25, and then they what was it in the NFC? Uh, they bunch of quarterbacks in their 30s. and get Brady in his 40s. You right. know, it's just talk about the young and the old. I mean, you know? Brady's old enough to be the father to some of these young quarterbacks exactly. too. I mean, well, I mean, hey, uh, you know, it, Brady it, is tw- uh, 21 years older than Mac Jones when they go head to head in a few weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's right there. So. That's a whole lifetime, a generation. Yeah, you could. Uh, it could be his kid. Yeah, I- exactly. You know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, he had him exactly. young, but he's right, still right. technically. Yeah. No, no, you're right. That's uh, absolutely. Have kids at 21. Uh, while we're talking Patriots, I think I think the last thing, and we'd be remiss if we didn't bring this up. Uh, certainly, uh, was not a, a a great week for the franchise in terms of a couple of legends passing away. Uh, one of them, very unexpectedly. Uh, in David Patton. Uh, and then you know, why don't we start first, though? Uh, Sam Cunningham, more recently uh, this past week, uh, former uh, USC Trojan, member of the Patriots Hall of Fame, yeah. ha- and he still has the all time rushing yards record with the franchise. Sam Bam Cunningham, uh, you know, passing away at age 71. Uh, I think I you, used to love when he'd get the, yeah. the handoff and just. Right over right. the top. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I think you watched him. I was just sort of becoming a Patriots fan, yeah. kind of in the middle of Sam. I watched Bam's him career. at USC. Watched, that's what I mean. <laughs> and, well, and I know you're a big USC fan. Yeah. We've, we've talked about that many times. So, yeah, your your, your thoughts on you know, what you remember of him as a, a rusher, both at the well, collegiate level, and he's in the college Hall of Fame too, I believe. I believe so. Yeah. I mean, he was just he was just a straightforward. You know, there was no dancing around. He was going to run you over, and that was it. But he was a. He was known, especially in uh, college, for, you know, if they were on the one-yard line, they'd just give it to him, and he would just catapult over the line and into the end zone. It was just like the most unbelievable thing to see. He'd just get it, it'd jump and go over. And he made a living doing that. I mean, you know, there were games that he could have had three touchdowns with a total of seven yards. (laughs) You know, that's just the type of runner he was. But he always had a nose for the end zone. And he can always find, like I said, he's still the leading rusher yeah, five, on this team. 5,453 career rushing yards uh, with the Patriots in 107 uh, games. And 43 rushing touchdowns, second to Jim Nance. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, he, he was around for a while. He was a, he was a good one. Not bad yeah. at all, and, and credit to the Kraft family, uh, Robert, and the whole family. They they wanted to bring him back. Uh, they recognized him on the 50th anniversary team, and of course, certainly, uh, you know, he's wearing that red jacket or you know, lifetime uh, ownership of the red jacket, being in the Patriots uh, Hall of Fame. And of course, a small piece of trivia, which younger fans might appreciate, they may be more familiar with his younger brother Randall Cunningham, who also had a pretty successful NFL career for himself. <laughs> yeah. And I never, it, it took me a while to even realize those two were related, like that they were brothers. Uh, yeah. Obviously. See Sam a little bit older 
but uh, yeah, and then of course, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, we also lost, and I, I know more of our younger fans would be familiar with this, uh, David Patton, uh, who uh, won three Super Bowl rings with the Patriots, but I think everyone will remember him first and foremost from that 2001 season. I mean, Patton played four years here, uh, the four years where the Patriots won three out of four Super Bowls, but he did his most damage uh, on the field in the 2001 season. He was the only Patriot player uh, to catch. Oh, actually, he was the only Patriot player to score any offensive touchdowns during the three-game postseason run with the wins uh, in the snow against the Raiders in Pittsburgh in the AFC Championship game and then in the uh, the Super Bowl win against the Rams. He caught two kind of similar-looking touchdown passes uh, in the uh, the Pittsburgh and, and the Rams games, one from Drew Bledsoe, and then came back and, and caught another similar one to Brady. I mean, he was only 47 years old, apparently, according to uh, to uh, sources out there. I guess he died in a motorcycle, motorcycle crash. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, you know, but uh, boy, he, a very underrated player here, though, and he was someone who uh, picked up a quick rapport with Brady. I mean, again, uh, you know, there was Troy Brown was there certainly in the early years for Brady, but just so much, even more so, or or to another degree, uh, you know, Patton was there too, and and Patton was kind of more of a deep threat. He could uh, get down, he could line up outside, and he could, uh, you know, do a lot of uh, things out yeah, there. Yeah, he was a good size receiver too. Mm. You know, but yeah, he's just it, it's not that he had a lot of productions per se, but it, but he did counted. You know, every yard he got was an important yard. He'd always score, be the score at the right time. Like was said, eight catches for 107 yards in the snow game. Right, yeah. You know? He didn't even score a touchdown in that game, but yeah. he led the team, I think, with catches and yards in that game, yeah. uh, certainly. Uh, and again, the Patriots only scored three offensive touchdowns in those three games. Brady ran for a touchdown in the snow game against the Raiders, and then Patton caught the two touchdown passes. Those are the only three offensive touchdowns the Patriots scored in those three playoff yeah. games. It was the I only mean, touchdown, the offensive touchdown on the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, exactly you know? right. I mean, you know, it's he's one uh, of those guys that Brady clicked with, like you said, in in you know, it's like you know, like he did with Edelman and uh, guys. It, it, they just had a thing together, and they just knew what each other was doing, and they were really students of what was going on, and that's why they were able to click so good. And if there's one game I think I, I also remember uh, David Patton for during that 2001 season was a regular season game against the Colts. You might remember he became one of the few players, and he may still be the last player to do this in NFL history, to throw, run for, and catch a touchdown. Yeah. That was in that, that Colts game. <laughs> he ran on an end around for the first score. Uh, then he uh, caught a touchdown pass from Brady, and then the third uh, and the piece de resistance. He, you know, on the little uh, option, uh, Brady flared it out to Patton in the flat, and then uh, Patton hit Troy Brown, Brown for the touchdown pass. Yeah. So uh, one of the few, uh, one of the few players in NFL history to do all three in the uh, the same game. Yeah. Uh, again, certainly, uh, you know, yeah, again, it's too bad, so young. You yeah, know, he had so much more life to give. Right. Yeah. He, know, absolutely. Forty-seven. Yeah, I mean, and again, his best years, uh, you know, he ended up playing uh, for, I think, uh, close to 10 years in the league, but his best uh, four seasons were with the Patriots. He had ha over half of his career receptions, half of his yards, uh, two-thirds of his touchdowns were all uh, during those four years with the mm -hmm. Patriots. And again, you know, three rings. So, uh, you know, uh, I, maybe posthumously he can uh, get himself a red jacket, too, in that Patriots Hall of Fame. I think he'd be a... Yeah. Uh, deserving, uh, you know, candidate. Again, just one of the, you know, when you I'm think surprised about... surprised he's not in on already, but they only do one a year. Right, so I think that's part of it. it it's of tough. It, yeah. He's going up against some some pretty tough competition, uh, for sure. But, uh, well, anyway, I mean, do you have any other uh, other final thoughts about the Patriots as we... Uh, yeah, I just found it kind of ironic and funny that Trent Brown is so happy to come back, you know, and you'd figure... You know, guy, you know, you, you get this discipline and, and structured. And obviously he loves that because he's so happy to be back here. 
uh, and he's he plays his best football like that. So it's just it's just kind of funny, you know. That I don't know it just doesn't seem like he's the type of guy that would be happy about that. He's glad to come back to it. Yeah, you know, most I, guys they leave here. It's like oh, I'm glad I'm out of there. Well, you wouldn't know what they do when. You know, yeah. a lot of times, but, you know, he was like, no, nah, I want to come back. <laughs> well, and I think that's, again, I think he's a key reason why the Patriots offensive line is still considered a, you know, a strong unit here, despite losing Joe Tooney to, to the Chiefs yeah. in the free agency. Because they uh, bumped they him got, to the right side. He played the left side for us a couple of years ago. That's right. Yeah, he was protecting yeah. Brady, and now he'll be out there on, on the right side. But, you know, Isaiah Wynn, not the most durable guy. It's certainly possible that, uh, you know, Brown could end up uh, covering uh, Mac Jones's blind side at some point during yeah. the season. And, of course, you know, certainly – Hopefully, uh, they can get Mac Jones through a, a, a full season. season. Yes. I mean, again, that's where the offensive line to me is going to be a key because yeah. uh, there's certainly some concerns. Uh, like yeah, who, who, yeah, whose code do we have after that? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no. you know, We've Brian, already, Brian Hoy has had his run in the league yeah. as a starter and as a backup. He certainly uh, has. Durable. He's had a good career, but uh, he's not what I'm hoping will be there when uh, they snap the ball. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. All right, so you got them eleven, and you got the Patriots eleven, 11 and six, and making the playoffs. Making the playoffs is a wild card. Uh, of course, uh, Chris Mason, who joined us uh, from uh, MassLive.com, you can follow him again at by Chris Mason. He said ten and seven wild card. I'm going to say ten and seven, and just missing out. Uh, and I, uh, I'll say tiebreaker or whatever. I don't know. I still, I, I don't know. Seven losses to me still seems like a lot. Yeah, I, your uh, analogy is pretty good though. Nine and seven, ten and seven is a new nine and seven. So, I think so. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the extra game the Patriots are playing is against the Cowboys. I think they're going to win that. So without that game, they'd be 9-7 and seven in my mind. So well, <laughs> so that would see. There's the 10th win, there's Dallas. A, yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, but, uh, again, wanna, we certainly want to thank uh, yeah. Chris for, uh, for joining us. And, uh, of course, Howie, thank you for, uh, for being here on this, uh, yeah. this maiden voyage back after a year and a half. Yeah, exactly. It's nice to get back to doing things again. You know, it was a long 18 months. Yeah. Well, you know? exactly. Well, and don't forget, uh, you can uh, follow the uh, TOST Toddcast on Twitter. Uh, we still got our Twitter handle at TOSTBMC. On Facebook, you can search Timeout for Sports Talk, although I, we maybe re- I'm having some problems accessing Facebook lately. I, I don't know. Uh, I have kind of limited access. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to post links out there. Uh, certainly on the Twitter feed, we'll do that. Uh, we will uh, post all links to the latest TOST Toddcast for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending on how you are uh, concerned. Consuming these programs again. Thank you, Howie. Thanks to uh, to Chris Mason from MassLive.com. Thanks to our uh, crew tonight behind the scenes. That would be uh, Matt Simonelli, Jeremy Meserve, and of course Jeff Hansel, the man who uh, who keeps the uh, the bills paid. So uh, the lights are on. Lights the, stay the, on. The electricity's flowing, and we we are still. Uh, we get to finish the show in the light. <laughs> we are still podcasting exactly. So until next time, uh, this is Todd Bloniars. Thank you for checking out this edition of the Tost Toddcast. <laughs>